Wanderers to another ankle-grabbing episode of the Misery Point Radio Show. I am, of course, your host. My name is Mike, and as always, I appreciate you dropping trowel and lubing it up in preparation for the long, hard journey ahead through the wasteland of internet radio, of course. Stoked to have you here. Honored to be the background noise on your 50th Zoom call of the day. No need to turn off the video. Feel free to let it all hang out as Satan intended. And I know it's been a while since we were last together, but damn... Times be crazy right now, but I'm coming back in style with some epic nerdtastic content just for you. So, that being said, today's guest is one you should be overly familiar with by now. He was the first ever guest on Misery Point Radio, and prior to that had been a guest on my old show, On The Edge. Together with his co-host Kendrick Regan, they created the juggernaut pop culture podcast, Spoiler Country, and from there launched an entire network of shows, blogs, reviews, comics, and other piles of awesomeness known as the Spoilerverse. I'm of course talking about the one and only Johnny Horsley, who returns to talk about the upcoming launch slash relaunch of one of his legendary comics, Jonely Nonely. Johnny and I had an awesome time catching up, and he went into great detail about the origin of Jonely Nonely, the characters, the storylines, and how this OG passion project was injected with some new life and a fresh new Kickstarter campaign. Worth noting that at the time when we had our conversation, this project was about 80% funded, and I'm stoked to announce that it is now fully funded and working towards some awesome, cool stretch goals and rewards. Those of you that know me know of my longtime affiliation with the Spoilerverse and my passion for supporting independent artists of all kinds. And though the bulk of my content really is music-driven, you should all know by now that I have a huge soft spot, rather hard spot, for comics and all things pop culture. So, take off that Pokemon onesie, toss that anime-themed real doll back in the closet, and lube up your ear sphincters for a journey through the Spoilerverse. Check this shit out. Johnny, welcome back to the show, brother. Always a blast to have you on. It's been a while. Way too long, actually. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. As always, I love coming on here and chatting with you. It's so much fun. Yeah, you know, it's really cool. A, a lot of these guys uh, and a lot of you out there in, in radio and podcast land don't really know the origin of, of this particular show, but um, started out doing a show called On the Edge way back in the day, which was like a half rant, part interview, part pop culture podcast. <laughs> and uh, and uh, my history with Johnny and his uh, cohort, Kenrick Regan, uh, just goes goes way, 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 way back. So we have gone uh, off the beaten path many times in our conversations and and had uh, had talks about all kinds of things from from TV to movies to, of course, comic books, which is really where uh, Johnny here is deeply rooted in his background. So. John, you have a new Kickstarter that just went live for a very long-term passion project that you've been working on. So let's talk about Jonely Nonely. Yeah, let's do it. I've been uh, working on this book since 2008. Well, I've been working on Jonely Nonely since uh, 2008. The book I've been working on it for about a year because it's yeah. kind of a little bit, little bit of a separate process there. But yeah, this has been a passion project for years, something I've been wanting to get out. And I'm happy to say I finally... Finally finished and got out there on Kickstarter for people, uh, people to support and back. Cool. Now, there is also a very cool story. Uh, well, cool to me because I find it hilarious. But um, 
The name in and of itself, Jonely Knownly, originally refers to you. And why is that? So it's, it's uh, this is a hilarious story. So I, I've told two stories for this name, right? One of right. them I used to tell about my grandfather and it becoming from him. But then I found that was wrong. My mom corrected me uh, a couple months ago and told me the real story about how Jolene only came to be. So my first name is the letter J. Middle name is the letter N. I only have letters for a name, which anybody out there who's going to argue, yes, it's a real name. Yes, it's my name. I don't care if you believe me. I am also the third. So my dad has the same name and so does my grandfather. Originally, I thought it was my grandfather applying for a credit card, but it wasn't. What happened is in the late 70s, my dad was on the phone getting a new social security card after he left the Air Force. And... Over the phone, they asked him to spell his name. He said, okay, it's J only, N only, Horsley. And then a couple weeks later, he got a social security card that said Jonely Nonely Horsley. <laughs> and that's where the Jonely Nonely comes from. That was always a big joke in our family. And then fast forward to like 2007, 2008, my wife and I are sitting in bed, to, as we do, watching TV, doing stupid shit. Um, and she was like doodling on a pad and she drew, a, she drew like a, a, re, a, a picture of me, shirtless. And it's like this little ridiculous thing. And she went picture of my friend Jeff and he likes fish. His shirt said, I heard fish on it. And she named the characters Jonely Nonely and Jeffers. And that's the origin of where Jonely Nonely and Jeffers came from. The main comic came from is from the, the joke about our name and the, uh, the social security office messing up with my dad all the way to my wife creating these characters one day, night laying in bed and we're just making jokes and, and like drawing stuff back and forth. Awesome. So another example of kind of real life turning into entertainment uh, and personal jokes becoming things for the entire world to see. So yeah. flash forward to now, then uh, so many years later, you've got this project coming out. What what inspired you to, to kind of really want to revamp or reimagine this work? So that's a that's a loaded question. Now, it's going to take me a while to explain all this. That's fine. Uh, so, Jolene and Only started as a webcomic in 2008, and it was basically me taking, at first it was jokes and little drawings my wife did, and then turning them into a webcomic. And then I decided to take her drawings and throw them into Illustrator and vectorize them so I can move them around and do more stuff with them. And that turned into me using the characters, the first three characters she created, which was Jolene and Only, Jeffers, and Calvarina, and then just making more comics out of them. And it became like my way of just making stupid jokes, stupid commentary on like social stuff and movies and stuff. And I did that from 2008 to 2016. In 2015, I participated in 24-hour comic book day. And I used Jolene Only to do that. And then I did it again in 2016. And actually, I should backtrack for a second. In 2010, I did a giant crossover event with all of my stupid webcomics. And Jolene Only was like the star of the crossover event. It was a Christmas, it was a Christmas crossover. Um, but in 2015 was the first time that I created the pages in like a sequential normal comic book form, not in a strip format. And I had a lot of fun doing that. I, they came out, in my opinion, like the best looking Jolene Only pages I'd ever done. I had a lot of fun doing it. So I did it again in 2016. And then in 2017, um, so in 2016, I, I, I quote unquote retired from webcomics. I stopped doing them. Because um, I wanted to focus on art. I wanted to focus on writing. Um, so at the end of 2016, and January 1st of 2017, actually, was I posted my last webcomic I had ever, I've ever posted since. I haven't done any, any since then. And I decided to try, I was going to try and take all my old webcomics and format them into a, a book format and release them and print them at least so I could have them out there 
if people wanted to buy them, you know, I had a lot of readers back in the day. If anybody wanted to have a copy of them, they could, or I could use them to like, you know, promote myself. So I first did uh, my Sergeant Blinky series. I'm oh, sorry, I first did Inanimate, and then I did Sergeant Blinky, released those two books in 2015. And then I started working on Jill and Only. And I started, you know what? I'm going to take all the old shit and I'm going to convert it into sequential format pages and have some fun with this. So I started converting all of the old comic strips in 2016. And then over the course of that year, I had taken the old strips and made 10, 10 24 page issues, which is 240 pages of content, which is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I had, had that done. I released some of them digitally here and there. Um, I printed some, released some into the Ein's uh, backing kit. So there was a couple there, um, which you, you've got some of those. Absolutely. I, had, I took some, I had printed up issue one and I had printed up uh, the um, 24 hour crime day specials. And I had sold those at cons, the conventions I went to in the, for a couple of years, but then it kind of just sat for a long time. I mean, we had the podcast going, I had my back surgery. So I didn't really do a lot of creative stuff. And then it did the Eins and Eins took up a ton of time. And it was a lot of fun, but it took up a lot of time to do that project, um, which I'm still working on for book two. Book two is going to be coming out hopefully at the end of next year. That's uh, a plan. Um, but I got back into writing at the end of last year in 2022, and I was working on um, taking the Ein stories and novelizing them, creating a prose out of them. So I was like, I, should re- I want to release it as a novel because my wife was like, you know what? You should make this a novel because... She wanted to read it, but she doesn't like reading comic books. I was like, well, if I make it a novel, then I, I can get a bigger audience out of it. Yeah. And while doing that, I ended up, I, have, I had been working on a novel since 03 called Memoirs of a Suicide. While doing the ninth thing, I was like, I should probably finish that too, because this is my ADHD brain jumping around from project to project. <laughs> so I finished novelizing Eins. So that's all done. I went back and I finished, I finished the novel of Eins, or of uh, Memoirs. So my, my main first novel is completely done. It's actually going to print in February of next year. Um, and then I was like, I have these Jill and Only books. I should just finish those and release them because I've, I've, I've got 10 issues on my computer. Why are they not out there, at least in a digital format to do? Yeah. So I started going back through them one more time. This is like the fifth time I've gone through the first couple issues. I reread through them all. I uh, decided to take all the pages and script them out because I had never scripted them before. They're all just like done on the fly. So I reverse engineered them back into a script, each page, all 24 issues, or all uh, 240 pages. 240, yeah. Yeah, so 10 issues, two, 24 pages each. Scripted them all out, went back through the scripts, did some edits on the scripting, just in text format. Went back to the pages, made those edits, and while I was doing that, made some changes. Found some pages that just didn't work anymore, some jokes that just don't land in today's world. Very much, <laughs> very much 2010 jokes, you know? Like they're, they were oh. funny in 2010. Today, they're kind of like, ah, it's kind of cringy. So I yeah. pulled those pages. Now there's still a bunch of cringy shit in the books. Don't worry. But okay, I pulled good. out a bunch of the stuff that's uh, was like just the bad, bad stuff, yeah. and um, shelved those. Added some new pages in. Updated some artwork. Added a bunch of stuff to them because I wanted to. Made jokes about me adding stuff to them because that's what I do. And then I finalized issues one through ten. Um, and then I sat for a little bit uh, and figured out how. Thought about how am I going to release these right. And while the time I was trying to figure out how I was going to release these, I wrote 16 new issues of Jolene Only. Jesus. Uh, yeah, 16 24-page issues. And those are all being drawn right now and being worked on. So I've got, of those 16 issues, I think six of them are done, which is crazy. So I was like, I'll release them, all, I'll, I'll release them digitally on my website. I'll put them on di- digitally on Amazon, on other places. So I started, I started doing that in August. And then uh, Kenrick 
did his Kickstarter for Supernatural Baby Detective, which I did the colors for, and I helped him with the promotion, and I helped with graphics. And we created Spoilerverse Comics to release this under. And Spoilerverse Comics holds Ion's Anthology, it holds Supernatural Baby Detective, and it holds Jolene Only. And it'll hold some other products that I have working on too. And after he finished his Kickstarter, I was like, you know what? I bet you we could do a Kickstarter for Jolene Only and do a like a logo and just get a couple copies printed out there and, and they use that as a way to release it into the wild. So after his Kickstarter ended, I got a wild hair up my ass and talked to Greg, who's our editor for Spoilerverse Comics, and then Kenrick. And I spent a week and I made all the graphics and built off the whole Kickstarter for it in about a week or two weeks. Made all the, made all the stuff in there. And uh, then we launched on October 30th to release Jill Only Out into the Wild with uh, a collected 150-page book because I decided I wasn't going to release them on Kickstarter issue by issue. I wanted to release it into a format does, that was would give people enough content to warrant backing a ridiculous book like this. Because as the creator of this book, or co-creator, because my wife is a co-creator of the series, um, I understand that this is a hard sell. I understand that Joe Manoli is not for everybody, and the art is a big turnoff for people because the art is meant to be not necessarily bad, but not also not good. It's meant to be very simplistic in its form, and some people don't like that, and that's I get that. But the the beauty of Joe Manoli is in the writing, is in the the jokes, and in the the interconnectivity of stuff. And uh, so I understand it's a hard sell. So I figure if I do it as a, as a 150 page collected book, collecting books one through five, that gives people enough content to read through it and to kind of get the series. Because if you just read issue one, while it's a fun issue, you don't get to, you don't get to learn much about the characters that comes over the course of a couple issues by issue five, you know who these characters are. You under, you kind of understand what the point of the series is. And, uh, you have more of a feel for like where this is going because as I talked to Kendrick about last night, Kendrick did a podcast last night talking about this. There's currently there's four chapters written of Julian Only. This is this is chapter one, and chapter one and chapter two are completely done. And by the end of chapter two, which is issue ten, everything changes for Julian in, in the Julian Only world. And then in chapter three, it's very very different. And then chapter four wraps it all back together to loop it all back to till the whole thing. So while I always say Joe the Nonius is a series of pages and jokes, and there's no real story, there actually kind of is an overarching story that, tell, that that brings you through to all 26 issues that I've written so far for the four chapters of the book. It's just you're not gonna people aren't gonna realize that one until right listen to this and I tell them, or two until they've read through and they realize oh, all this stuff is connecting back, all everything is connecting backwards and forwards, and stuff that was talked about in issue three is showing up in issue 15 and. So let's talk about issue 25 is looping back to issue one and two and three and five and seven. And it all kind of loops around. And it was, it was one, it's a lot of fun writing it that way. And I figured while I do have them broken into individual issues and I am releasing them as individual issues as well for people for Kickstarter, doing them in collected books for volumes or chapters, whatever you want to call them is probably the best way for this because it gives everybody a full chunk of a story all at once without having to wait for, Kickstarter to Kickstarter or release to release for issue to issue, you can get it. Okay, you buy chapter one, you get the full chapter one. You buy chapter two, you get the full chapter two, so on and so forth. Yeah, you know, I really like that concept because I actually back a lot of Kickstarters. And I'll tell you what, it's it starts to kind of add up after a bit. And then you realize, you know, you get hooked on it and you're just like, oh, yeah. shit, now I got to back another one. Now I got to back another one. Now I got to back another one. And that's great. And I'll continue to do that. But I personally appreciate this approach 
that that you're taking. Um, so in regards to you kind of touched on a little bit, you know, the art style, I actually am a fan of, you know, what it kind of reminds me of it. It's hard to describe it. But do you remember those really early like drawings of like the Hill family, Hank Hill and all of them and all, all those kind of derived characters from like the old Beavis and Buttheads where they're kind yeah. of like it's very a simplistic art form meant to kind of caricaturize these these characters. So how would you describe kind of the art style of, of Joan Lane Only for those who are thinking about maybe diving into this but don't really know what they're getting into? I would say the art style is simplistic cartoony. And it's yeah. it's that way on purpose because if you read, as you've read through some of them, if you read through it, the art is actually a story piece of the story. Like the art being the way it is, is a story piece of the story. And the characters are very self-aware. The characters know they're in a comic book. They know that they're comic book characters. They know that they're based on real people loosely. And they know how to get, get a hold and talk to me as a creator. Like there's, there are scenes where I show up in the comic and the characters are yelling at me for doing stupid artwork or <laughs> stupid jokes. And so it all ties together to where it's, it becomes a part of the world. And yeah. as the story, as the issues go on, the art does slightly get better as it goes on. Like the, the characters start being very static and very simplistic. And then they get some dynamics, they get some dimensions to them in later issues. And they get like um, the ability to like, they're like, you know, side profiles. In fact, it changes up to where there's more going on. And they're aware that they're getting, that things are changing for them. So it's part of the story. It's simplistic to begin with. And it goes through. I will say that like, I always like to joke that it's art simple. It's so easy to do. But if you actually pay attention to how much is in each panel on page, there's a lot of background stuff and a lot of like stuff created to go into these panels. That's all done by hand or all done, just all done by layers. And that I, I do, there are times where I'll spend hours working on a page that takes me forever to make a background because I put so much little, like little things in the background because throughout <laughs> every book, if you read, if you buy the individual books and you read the back copy page, um, it tells you a list of credits of things that are hidden in each, not hidden, but things that are in each page, in each panel. And I hide so much shit into each panel on each page, like little, little Easter eggs and like Easter eggs for stuff that I've worked on Easter eggs for stuff that like, isn't even out yet. Like there's so many images of like covers of books throughout this, the series and names of books that aren't going to be released for two or three years, but I've hidden them in the pages of these books because oh, I love to that. me it's hilarious and funny. And then in a couple of years, if somebody ever noticed it, it's going, Oh, Hey, this was talked about back in Jolene only. Yeah, it's there because <laughs> why the hell not? <laughs> I uh, I like the fact that this entire series really, not only do they break the fourth wall, it's like a constant smashing of that fourth wall. There's just yeah. so much self-awareness in the characters and what's happening. And I love, I love how you made that kind of be a thing um, just a as as an overarching theme throughout everything that I read. So if, if that's kind of what continues on throughout the entire series, people that are kind of fans of that style of humor, I think are actually really, really going to enjoy this. So um, yeah. now describe also then uh, the, the overarching basic story of Jonely Nonely. So in in this comic universe, um, who is Jonely Nonely and who are the various characters that uh, he's going to encounter in these first few parts. So Joan Lee only is the, 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 the protagonist is the main character of the storyline. Um, he's loosely, loosely based on me. Um, technically he's like, so it's kind of funny because 
back in the day, my very first comic strip I ever did was called Y2CL, which was literally just a comic strip about me and my friends. I was so creative that I named all the characters with just our actual names. So there was <laughs> JN, Calvin, Jeff, Nick, Garrett, Dylan, Alberto. It was all just our names. And I drew the characters to look somewhat like the actual people. So it was, I was very creative back then. And then yeah. getting the Jolene Only, like Jolene Only was like the the Jolene Only version of those characters, which were versions of my, me and my friends. So in the initial format, Jolene Only was a version of the JN character from YTCL, which was a version of me. Right? Okay. It's like a, a three down version of me. So it's like, it's like it cascades through. But he's the main character. He's just a guy who wants to have fun. He's socially aware. He's very much like there's a whole issue called Jolene's soapbox because he likes to get on his soapbox and preach about shit that only he seems to care about or like social awareness stuff or, or like he's very, he's very liberal, very left-wing, very much like we should help everybody no matter what, very like not, not apologetically that way. And his friends call him out on it all the time. Not that they're not that way or not. They don't think that way. They're not preaching about it, but he is. Sure. Not as in your face. Yeah. He's in your face. I mean, to, to a degree. Yeah. Um, He's also a hopeless romantic and, and an idiot, even though he, that romance is never a theme in the book. You can kind of pick up on that aspect of him a little bit. Um, Jeffers is like the best friend who's obsessed with fishing, who tells bad jokes, who plays music, guitar. He's, he's just like the guy who's in your friend group. That's always telling you bad jokes. That's always wants to get to that, cr- that, that, that groaner <laughs> joke and yeah. is obsessed with fishing. And um, he's like, he's kind of like the, the, uh, the flip to Jolene where they, they're best friends, but they, they're, they kind of don't really have a lot in common besides just being friends and music or so much, which is very much like me and my actual best friend, Jeff, who's obsessed with fishing, tells bad jokes all the time and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And him and I have been friends since we were five years old. And really the things we have in common is we've known each other for so long and music because we were in bands together, but we don't really have a lot of similar interest outside of those kind of things, which is fine. I mean, we get along great, but it's kind of funny because as lifelong friends, we don't really do the same kind of things besides play guitar. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Calvarino is like your classic pretty boy, right? He's the guy that the guy in your friend group that all the girls wanted to be with the guy in your friend group that, you know, all the guys wanted to be like, he's also very much like when it comes to like sex stuff, he doesn't care. He'll fuck anything. And he just wants to get his, he just wants to get his fuck on. And uh, that's very apparent in later issues when Calvin or Calvarina has sex with a clone of himself <laughs> multiple times and, uh, or, or the evil version of himself. He does that with, that's how he defeats them. You know, it's, it's, but it's like, it's not like he's like overtly gross. He's very respectful. He just is who he is, you know? And he talks a lot about that and he likes alcohol and makes the party and stuff like that. But he's also very much like the, uh, a nerdy, respectable dude who's like, yeah, no, we shouldn't be. He, he calls other people out for stupid things too. I use a lot of these characters to call things out for I find stupid, if you can't tell that already. <laughs> um, and the character Earth, who shows up in this first volume, um, he's not an original character. He shows up in issue three on two pages, and then he's fully in, in issue five. He's, he's basically the main character of issue five. But issue five is a Star Wars issue, fully Star Wars. Um, he is like your friend who's overly obsessed with Star Wars and sci-fi, um, but also very much tries to be like that uh, that manly guy, but he's a little guy kind of guy. Um, he's a compensator. Yeah. 
oddly enough, based on my friend Nick, who's a short guy who loves Star Wars and went in the Air Force. Go figure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's so I brought I actually, he he the character Earth was actually created only because I wanted to make Star Wars jokes one day, and I was like, I need a character who loves Star Wars. So that's where he came from, and I ended up creating an issue five is called a Only Far Far Away. It is all about the release of A Force Awakens. It is 24 pages about of Star Wars jokes and Star Wars lore that I spent way too much time researching and way <laughs> too much time going over. And throughout the whole game, the whole issue, they actually play a game called Star Wars The Gathering, which is Magic The Gathering with Star Wars characters. And it's a real thing. You can actually download. I have it on my computer. You actually download an entire series of cards to, play, to make the printables out and play that game with. And it's, it's pretty fun. Um, it's so fucking nerdtastic. It's super nerdtastic. So that's your main <laughs> cast of the first volume is those four guys, right? Okay. Um, but there's a bunch of other characters too, like an issue, an issue two, because you know when you have a brand new comic series, what's the what's the best thing to do in issue two? A crossover with characters nobody knows, right? Right. So issue two is a Christmas crossover issue with it crosses over with other characters from web comics I had before, which aren't in print anymore. You can't read them online, so of course I'm going to have them in my comic. And it's funny because I have these characters from the webcomics, uh, Sergeant Blinky and his Brigade of Fantastic, and Animate, um, and, and Y2CL as well, all in this comic at the show up as characters. Like there's Sergeant Blinky, there's Lieutenant Awesome Stance, there's Pot, there's Kettle, there's Gun, there's Phone, there's Larry the Coked Out Bunny, there's Bernard, uh, Pulsebot8735, whatever the hell his name is. Um, and they all in this character, and the whole plot of the issue is uh, Bernard, who's a robot, works for Larry the Cooked Out Bunny, or Larry T. Cobb, who's a, who's a warlord, and he's going through different universes to collect people for his master's Christmas present. For no reason, other than he just wants to do it. And so the whole thing goes through them. It ends with a two-page, and this is probably not very forward-thinking of me for like making a good ending for an issue, but I find humor in doing things the wrong way. So the issue actually ends with two pages of me rewriting Twas the Night Before Christmas as a poem, making it about the ending of the book. So the ending of the book goes through a poem of two full pages of a rewriting of Twas the Night Before Christmas. <laughs> and so the humor, the humor there is definitely, it's like really fucking... It's it's simplistic and it's funny, but it's also you kind of have to think about it. It's yeah. uh, you're you're constantly having your reality pulled away from you by the all that's breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, that that and the max that I, I there's a lot I put I put a lot of effort into uh, putting things in there that are if you know it you know it like if you know the joke you know if you know the joke it's really funny if you don't know the joke it's 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 funny it's okay but if you know what I'm saying. You really get it. Like if you read the "Twas Night Before Christmas" poem that I wrote in the back of the, that book, and you get the references in it, it's going to be hilarious to you. If you don't get the references, to you, references in it, it's going to be okay. It's it's funny. It's it's I think it's well written, but it's it's if you get it, it's going to be funny as hell. Same thing with like the other issues. There's jokes in there that if you get the reference, which a lot of people who like this kind of humor should get the references, they're gonna they're gonna land pretty well. So what audience would that be? Like, who are the typical people that are going to appreciate Jonely Nonely and this particular style of humor the most? What other IPs out there might be also readers of, of this? So Kenrick says Jonely Nonely is like 
the Trailer Park Boys in South Park had a baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I've never really seen Trailer Park Boys. I've seen like two episodes of it. Like actually after he told me that I watched two episodes of it. Um, I, I get it. I, I get that it's like South Park. I do. It, it's kind of funny that way. But it's anybody who likes moronic humor or irreverent humor or self-aware characters, like any movies from the 80s and 90s that were just the stupid humor stuff. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to love John and only especially like that thrown in with a little bit of stuff they're going to learn. Um, if you like Kevin Smith films, you'll probably enjoy these as well because there's a lot of like Kevin Smith influence in these. Uh, if you like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or Douglas Adams type stuff or Terry Pratchett books, there's a lot of influence from both those authors in my writing and for the Jolly and Only, a lot of the whole like the irreverence, the the randomness, the the uh, se- th- those books are kind of semi-self-aware where I took it to the step for them and very, very self-aware. Um, but there's a lot of that kind of humor and they're all kind of writing in here too. So if you're a fan of those kind of things, you, you should get, you should enjoy this. And awesome. if you're not, then you probably won't because it's going to be not up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> you should fucking read it anyway. Don't be a pussy. I Try agree. some new stuff. So uh, digging then into this Kickstarter. So uh, I know that you've got a few tiers. So run me through all of the stuff. Like what do people get with this Kickstarter and what are some of the cool rewards you've got going on? Yeah. So the book, the, to get the 150 page book, it's, it's uh, 30 bucks, right? That gets you the, the, the full book with the main cover that I did on it. Uh, it's 127 pages of content plus uh, like 20 or 30 pages of bonus material that I've, I've been working on. Um, the bonus material includes previews of future books that I'm working on and previews of other stuff and some, other, some extra joke material. Um, there's also a variant cover that was done by an artist out of Greece named Brie, uh, or sorry, Blee, B-L-E, uh, fantastic artist. And before anybody asks, no, the variant cover has nothing to do with the book. I just thought it was cool looking. So I put it on the front of the book. <laughs> there you um, go. Yeah. And you can get that on there too. You can get either one of those or you can get them together in a bundle as well. Uh, I actually did make up uh, individual issues for all five, right? So you can actually, if you wanted to, you can get issues one through five all together as individual floppies, or you can get the trade and all the floppies together. You know, there's all sorts of combinations you can get them. Um, there are variant covers too uh, for each of the individual issues done by some fantastic artists. Um, issue number four, I like to point out because it's done by Ram Sandoval, who's the artist on Supernatural Baby Detective. And he did a homage cover to Green Lantern 85, which is the Speedy Does Heroin cover, but instead it's Calvarina masturbating. And oh. talk, yeah, it's it's a well done, it's, you don't actually see him doing anything, but it's a, it's a well done homage. It's a very tasteful masturbation cover. It's, it uh, is. You know. <laughs> and as I like to say about things, Jolene Only is oddly educational. On the cover of that book, you learn what an onist is. If you don't know what an onist is, look it up and you'll be surprised because it's an actual word that actually means something that I didn't know about until I was researching for this cover. Nice. Um, but there's also like, uh, with Spoilers Comics, we have a thing called the First Ten, which is um, we have a holographic custom sticker made that we, we slap onto the First Ten and we sign, we sign them and they're numbered one through ten. And what it means is it is one of the first ten issues printed. So Love it. It's a special edition. You can get... Um, and, we, and they're only sold in matching sets. So if you want them, you have to buy all five individual issues or you have to buy the uh, matching set of the two trades. Um, you can get that. There is a one of one on there too where you can get a matching set of the trade and all the floppies as well. So if anybody wants to have like all of them, they can do that and get a, uh, a matching numbered set. So you have the, you know, one of 10 or two of 10 of all of them. Um, there's also a goodie bag. And the goodie bag is basically, uh, I have a custom main 
I would grab it, but it's over there somewhere. We have a custom made poly bag for Jolene only for this campaign that I'm going to put the books into, a bunch of extra stuff into, and it's going to be a sealed poly bag that you can get. And there's only 10 of those available. And that's on mm-hmm. there. Um, and then there's, there's add-ons for like individual books or like uh, other stuff in there. But that's really pretty much it. It's pretty much focused on just getting the main book printed and getting out there for everybody to see. Yeah. And your, uh, your Kickstarter runs through December 6th, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay. And so then once that campaign is finished, what do you think is going to be the, uh, do you have an ETA for shipping after the fact? If you reach all your financial goals, is this going to be a pretty quick turnaround? It's going to be a super quick turnaround because the book is already done. So okay. it'll be, when the Kickstarter ends, you have two weeks to wait for funding. So I have to wait, I'll have to wait two weeks to get the money out of Kickstarter. Once I have the money, I'll order the books because it's all done. And the shipping of the book takes about two or three weeks. So if everything goes as planned, I should be able to get it out by probably end of December, early January on shipping it out to everybody. Okay. And uh, who's going to be printing this? That's a good question. I don't know yet. Um, okay. I've got five, four printers lined up and who's going to print it all depends upon how many copies sell. Because okay. they, all have, they all have different price points. Sure. And if it sells a certain number, I'll move to a different printer because they're cheaper on that price point. If it sells an under number, I'll use the one printer because they're the cheapest for a small print run. Yes. And let's just uh, try not to harken back to the uh, Ein's days uh, with those printers, right? <laughs> I, I had the Ein, they had all set up ready to go at the end of the campaign. They went bankrupt and closed Ugh. their company and didn't tell me anything. So I thought I was working with them for months and they just didn't respond to me. Yeah, that was a nightmare. <laughs> well, my, that won't happen again, folks. No, we promise no. you that. No, no, I've got some reputable people that I've been working with and talking to, so I've got it all worked out for there. That's awesome. Well, I'm I'm excited that uh, you know that this project is going to see see some new light and have some new life breathed into it. Uh, I am obviously, uh, I mean, you and I are friends, but I, I am genuinely a fan of, of the work that you've done, the various mediums of work that you've you've done. So, uh, so I think this is. Is super cool. What else do we need to know then about this Kickstarter? Is there anything that, that we've left out? Um, not necessarily. We're close to being fully. I just I, as of today, we are eighty percent funded, so we're almost oh, there. Um, I have some really really cool stretch goals planned out if we hit it okay. and have time. So if you're interested in backing the book, do it now and get us there so we can reach those stretch goals. Uh, and they can just go to jolnynolny.com and I'll take you right to the, right to the Kickstarter. Uh, but yeah. I, we, I think we touched everything on the book and the Kickstarter. Just go out there and back it. And if people read it and they like it, I would love for them to tell me about it. They liked. If they read it and they don't like it, I would also like people to tell me what they don't like about it because I'm always curious what lands in these books and what doesn't land in these books. And I, will, I always want to know that. Yeah, well, you know, if somebody doesn't like it and they leave you this really cool long diatribe about how bad it sucks, I could actually see that showing up in some panels somewhere in future stories. I'm just saying, put yourself in the fucking book. Just think yeah. about that. Think ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I can't say I won't do that because I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So um, now I know that you're on a super quick lunch break, but yep. you did just kind of touch on something real quick at the beginning of our chat, which was where you're at on uh Ein's Anthology Part 2. That is that is in the works. That yep. is definitely still an active project. It is. So Ein's Book 2 is about 60-ish percent done. Okay. Um, I still have to get a couple of the stories colored. I have to complete finish writing the intertwining story like there was in the first one. Um, and I have to, I still have to add, I think, two more stories to finish out the page count for it. 
Um, I have them set to go. I just have to get them to the point where they have art. So it's close to being done. It's about 60% after this project ends. Um, I have, I'm focusing on, so after Jolene only ends, I am focusing on my novel memoirs of a suicide, which releases right. in February. Um, but that's already done. Really. It's that's going to be me getting it ready to go and uploading sure. and pushing sell. Uh, but then really kind of like my main project is going to be getting book two of ions done because I need to get it out by this time next year. Okay. And, uh, you and Kenrick have, uh, kind of taken a hiatus on spoiler country, but seems that maybe you're kind of working your way back into it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to start doing, um, like a weekly live stream for the show. Okay. Uh, more focused on our creative projects and talking to people, um, either in the indie world doing projects or just talking to friends and kind of having a hangout and doing fun stuff like that. We're going to, we're getting away from talking to industry people. Um, and cause we'd, while talking to like actors and movie people and directors, there's fun. There's almost no return on investment on that. You put a right. ton of effort into it, a ton of time into it, and nothing comes from it. They don't promote it. They don't share it out. They don't tell anybody. Um, so it's really up to you. And if and you're, we had a couple of them go well and get good views, but it was because of all the effort that we put into it, we put into promoting it. They never shared it out, which sure. is, I get it. They're busy and whatever. I don't care. But I also, they don't need me. They don't need spoiler country. They don't need us to promote their shit. Right. I'd rather spend that time promoting an indi- an independent publisher, an independent writer, artist, or public or promoting my own stuff or Kenrick stuff or your stuff or somebody I know stuff versus, you know, HBO stuff that couldn't give two shits about me. <laughs> and for those of you uh, who maybe from my listener base that aren't, aren't familiar with uh, with John and Kenrick, but um, spoiler country. Uh, was a is a podcast that that got started many moons ago. Uh, we got our shows kind of going around around the same time frame. But those early early episodes of Spoiler Country, where it really was just uh, John and Kenrick talking to each other, arguing, bantering, maybe having some guests, and you know having these really cool, insightful conversations. I think that's something you guys have always kind of talked about getting back into at some point and limiting the scope of those that you talk to. Uh, to, to people that you can have actual, real, personal connections with, and and I think that uh, uh, that that makes just for awesome radio and awesome podcasts. So you know, I, I love the direction that you guys are are kind of taking a step back and thinking about really, you know, where you want to go and and who you want to hit. Yeah, and that, that's exactly where we're going. And when we did eight hundred and fifty some episodes total, blows my fucking mind. A lot of those were just interviews, and it was just it was draining. I mean, we were doing an episode a day for a, a long time, and it just it was draining. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I fun to get hit, back into this. I yeah. just hit 100 episodes like this year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Only took me like six years to do it, kids. Hey, um, hey. Quality, <laughs> but, quality over quantity, man. Hey, quality over quantity. So, uh, well, uh, Mr. Horsley, as always, super honored to have you uh, on the show and to have you be a part of all of this. And uh, I've got so much love for you and Kenrick and all you guys have done for me. And yeah, absolutely. I fucking heart you. I heart you deep and hard. Oh yeah. Oh, look at that. This motherfucker can just throw out graphics like nothing. Um, so yeah, no, anytime, obviously you want, you want to plug some stuff. You guys are welcome. I apologize, Kenrick. We were supposed to connect and we didn't because I, I fucking suck huge donkey dicks. I'm sorry. I suck, but um, it's your side job. It's fine. Hey, you know, Hey, you got, you gotta, you gotta pay those, uh, web hosting bills somehow. Right. So, 
make sure y'all go to jonlynonly.com. That's uh, .com. That's J-only, right? <laughs> N-only.com. And you can get all the details on the Kickstarter. Make sure you back this project. Make sure you tell Johnny if you think his shit sucks or if you think it's absolutely life-changing and amazing. Either way, he wants to get that feedback. So, uh, John, thanks again, brother. Uh, always cool to talk to you and, uh, and good luck on uh, funding the rest of this campaign. Thanks, man. I really appreciate the time. And thanks, as always, to all of you out there in the wasteland for hanging out and supporting the show. Also, as a side note, I know the audio was a little wonky this time around. Sorry about that. Turns out I had a bad preamp. Hope you were able to move past that and put the epic content over sound fidelity in this case. Anywho, going to close this one out with a tune from some friends over in the Middle East. This is a band that started in Iran and has since had its members move all around the globe to escape persecution, among other things. This band is called Vi Desprays, and this track is called The Unknown on KFMP Misery Point Radio. And so the 